Maybe we will begin reading in verse number 10, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. I would say with Greg, you know, as we read, and you might not really see it this way, but from verse number Three to verse number 14 is one sentence. One thought. There's just no way around it. And I'd like to think this morning about verse number 12 if we could concentrate there. But bearing this in mind, there's coming a day that all is going to be gathered together in Christ. He is the center attraction. He's the only reason that I'm saved. The only reason that you, I, anyone will ever end up in heaven, end up in the church, end up separated from the wrath of God and on the side of the goodness and the mercy of God is through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we look back in this chapter, it's not only the work of Christ, but it is also the work of God. It began with God. Though that may be rejected today, if I will read my Bible without a prejudice, without coming to the text with a preconceived idea, I can certainly bring out of the text that it began with God. Aren't you glad that it wasn't left up to you to find Jesus? Aren't you glad that it wasn't left up to you to make your way toward God? Aren't you thrilled that God comes seeking you? I tell you how wonderful... So again, you know, this, this Scripture, uh, this Word of God says to us in verse number 11, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. So was it God's will that you and I be brought into the family? <laughs> I tell you, everyone that will be in the family are there by the predetermined will of God. And you know, that might be kicked against, but I, uh, just think with me about God. God doesn't have plan B. God does not have a contingency written in His Bible. There is no contingency clauses. Well, if this doesn't work out, God will do it this way. No ma'am and no sir. No God is all-knowing, has all things in order. So when, uh, you know, we read before the foundation of the world. So just think about this. Who was the founder before the foundation? He was the founder. Before there was a foundation, there was a founder. That's God. So you and I have been brought into an inheritance. The Word of God says, verse number 11, in whom, so in Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And again, I realize we said this earlier, but that word, obtained an inheritance, means to assign by lot. 
assigned by lot. Another way we could say that was assigned by chance. That's man's view. No other place in all of the Scripture is that. It's one word in the Greek. But no other place in all of Scripture is that used by the Apostle Paul. Why did he say we have obtained an inheritance and it was obtained by lot? By the view of man, by chance. He is saying that that we might realize, ladies and gentlemen, if I get something by chance, what did I have to do with that? I see Carmen shaking her head no. So I had nothing to do with that, did I? What is Paul saying? Why does Paul use such a word that we have an inheritance that has fallen to us by lot? I tried to mention to you, you know, every lot. The lot is cast into the lap. But every decision is of the Lord. What's Paul saying? The reason you have an inheritance, the reason you're in the family of God, the reason that you'll be saved is because of the work of God, the work of the Son and the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that I was seeking God. It wasn't that I wanted God. It wasn't that I even saw my need for God. But I'll tell you this, that there came a day that I saw my need for God because it was God who was working in me. It was God who brought me under conviction. It was God who brought me to the place that I realized that I needed to be saved. I needed a Savior. Why did you need a Savior, preacher? i tell you why I needed a Savior. Because I was lost and undone on the road to hell, headed to hell at breakneck speed, and I had no means of salvation on my own, and God brought me to that realization that I was in need of a Savior. But in the plan of God, all of this, verse number 11, what a beautiful, beautiful verse in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated, so foreordained, predetermined, set the bounds before God had it marked out. Aren't you glad? I tell you, how how intricate is the working of God? How close was Abraham to killing his son? I tell you, he had the knife drawn back. The Bible said he had the knife drawn back. Have you ever thought about where that ram came from? You ever thought about whose flock that ram came out of? How did that ram escape the rest of the flock and there wasn't 50 more sheep come with him? How was it that ram got up there and got hung up in a thicket? A ram large enough, old enough to meet the requirements of God for a perfect sacrifice hung by his horns. How long does it take for a ram to grow horns long enough, I would say, to turn? that he's hung up in a thicket. You talk about God working all things. This is not by chance, folks. Paul wrote that down that we might realize we're in the family of God by God's working. This is not a chance that I just happened to stumble upon this. No, ma'am and no, sir. God was working in this. And as you think about Joseph, and we've mentioned that before, how could it be? How could all of that have worked out? A pit? The Midianites being sold? Potiphar body? Goes to prison? Introduced to the baker? The butler? 
The butler remembers his faults that day. I tell you, you call that a chance? There's no chance there. That's God working. How wonderful that God spared us to the place that we could come, hear the gospel, believe the Word of God, all for His glory, for His honor and His grace. Thank God for that. You know, God has no no new plan. God, he, he, you know, this time, this time, now you think about this, from before the foundation of the world, God has no afterthoughts. Again, there's no contingency plan. There's no addendums. You know, I can remember working on jobs, and you know the job might be three or four weeks into the job, and uh, 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 the engineer sent out an addendum. Well, this needs to be changed. We didn't see this. We forgot about this. We didn't know that the customer was going to need this. <laughs> like he had gotten you exactly what the customer needs. And you know who the customer is? You and I. Thank God for that. He knows everything. He's never sent out an addendum to the first and the only plan that He's ever sent out, there's never been an addendum to it. Thank the Lord. I tell you, you know, you hear these words. God allows. God permits. The permissive will of God. So, we've got a God who is able to stop, able to do, able to prevent, able to change. And when that God, when there's something goes on, we say, well, that wasn't God's will. God permitted that. You mean to tell me a God who can do all things, change anything He wants to change, when something happens that He allowed that, God permitted that that was not His will? Oh, no. Now, I tell you, we're talking about a God who is in control of His will. There, there's nothing outside of His will. Now, you've got to get that in the right context. We might even say this, well, preacher, you're saying that all of these bad things are the will of God. I say that all of these bad things, God has a purpose in them. Would you say the worst thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified? Is that one of the greatest, ugliest, malicious, ungodly things that's ever happened? They murdered an innocent man, didn't they? Isn't that true? That's true. But is it not also the will of God that Jesus Christ die on the cross. Yes, it is. It is. I, I told Donna this morning, I read this in the 10th chapter, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How searchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You know something? I can't do it with a carnal mind. It's hard to figure out all of these things that God does, isn't it? Well, know this, friend. There's a multitude that you have not figured out about God, but you accepted it because He said it. Why don't we do that? Why don't we accept what God says instead of trying to figure it out in my finite, fallen mind and figure out what God's doing and what God ought to do why don't I take what God says and run with that? That's what we better do. So, let's listen now. In whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him. So it was God who purposed and worketh. I want to go over this one more time. So we've in- obtained an inheritance by lot. You and I are in the family of God by the workings of God. It was nothing that I did. It was nothing that I deserved, nothing that brought me to the place that God owed me anything. I tell you, it was by the working of God and the love of God. When did He love us? 
According to the Word of God, He said this, He hath loved us with an everlasting love. Well, preacher, that's forever. It sure is. But it's not only forward. It's not only forward. It's backward as well. As far back as you can look, and you know how far back I can look? I can look to this, Genesis 1-1. That's as far as I can see. But as I read through the Gospels and I read through the epistles, you know what I see? I see that God was working before Genesis 1-1. I see that God was in existence and you and I were in the mind of God before Genesis 1-1. Before the foundation, praise God, there was a founder of all of it. Thank the Lord He thought on you. Listen, the world that we're living in today has been created with you in mind. Why in the world was you raised where you were raised? Why in the world did you come to the church you came to? Why did you hear the message that you heard? Why, why was it that that preacher was there that day? Why was it that you felt so, uh, so burdened? Why was it that you felt so guilty? Why was it that you felt like you were going to die under your sin? I knew what that was. That was God working all things after the counsel of His will that you might be brought into the family of God. Thank God for all of His workings. No chance, folks. No chance with God. There's no chance, period. Chance is a a fallacy in the mind of man. So who obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose? So the word again, purpose. The setting forth, the proposition, the proposal in advance. God had this in advance. Exposed, I tell you, he worketh. So he says, according to he, uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh, to energize, to bring forth from one point to another, effectually working to display one's activity. Can you look back in your life and see the workings of God in your life? Can you see that? Know this, friend. He didn't just work on a day uh, 10,223. He was working all of it. He was working all along. <laughs> I look back at my life. <laughs> you, you know why I came home from 2,000 miles away? Because I didn't get the raise I asked for. They offered me a raise. But you know, it lacked a little bit meeting what I asked for. I'd already made up in my mind. I wonder who was in that. I already made up in my mind, if I don't get this amount, I'm quitting. (laughs) You talk about God working all things. Here I am lost, headed to hell. Could have been been an alcoholic, could have been a drunk could have died on the road. Uh, uh, Any millions of things could have happened, but I'll tell you what God did. God brought that to my mind. God worked that in His working. Here I asked for a particular raise. I didn't get that. Quit the job. Came home. A friend from that time, five months later, God saved my soul from dying and going to hell. He was working all things. I look back and you know what I see? I see the activity of God. Who worketh the activity of God. Aren't you glad for God working all things? According to the purpose. Listen to this now. Who worketh all things after the counsel. Who worketh. So that word again to energize. To bring forth. To display one's activity. After. My gosh. Who worketh all things after. 
the counsel of it worketh all things after. So this means to according to, down from, to an end point. What was God's purpose? I tell you what He had in mind. Our friend, He wasn't talking about making it from point A to point B. Yes, that was in it. But I tell you what, ever got, friend, you, I can remember though, maybe it was a Reader's Digest or other things, you connected the dots. You remember that? Remember them little drawings? Why, you know, I start, I, I can't see anything here. You can't see anything. When you get all the dots connected, boy, I tell you, the man that had that in mind, look at the man that had that in mind. Remember, just put your life as that little, maybe it was a picture of a pelican. Maybe it was a picture of a giraffe. Maybe it was a picture of a hippopotamus. And all of them dots was put on the page. He had a hippopotamus in his mind. When you took your pencil and you went from dot one to dot two to dot three to dot five to dot nine, when you went through all of those dots and there were 73 dots and you got them all connected, you took it back and you looked at it and you said, why, that's a hippopotamus. You know, I couldn't see that when it was just the dots on the page, but now that it's all connected, I see what He had in mind. God was working it all. How wonderful that God was working it all. After the counsel. Now, is He counseling with me? Has He counseled anyone else? Isaiah said, who has been His counselor? Who has He called to make sure this was alright? Did He have to check with me to see if it was alright? Did He check with you? Did He check with the church? Did He check with uh, with Aaron? Or did He check with Moses? Or did He check with Paul? I'll tell you, this was after the counsel of His own will. He did it all in His own heart, mind, will. He did it all. There was no counselor. He did it. After the counsel of His own, so that's personal, me, my, him, his own will, his own desire, his own purpose. What was his? What was he looking at? Oh, I tell you, he was looking at you and I, and he was working all things to bring us to this place that we have an inheritance in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance that we should be to the praise of His glory. So I want to look just a second. Look with me in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. You know who He's talking to right here? He's talking to the people at the church at Ephesus. Paul is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. They met him down on the shore. He didn't even go to the synagogue. Met him down on the shore, and this is what he said. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Chapter 26 and verse number 18, Paul again. Here is the Lord Jesus. Paul is relaying in his Damascus Road experience. And the Lord said, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. (laughs) You know why we've got an inheritance? Because we're in Christ Jesus. We have an inheritance because of the working of God. We have an inheritance because Jesus died. We have an inheritance because the gospel was preached. We have an inheritance because that was God's way of bringing us and that is God's gift unto us. We have this. And you know what it's for? Verse 12. 
Read verse 12. How important is that first word, you think? I'm going to read verse 11. In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. That. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So what is this? Here's the results of God's working. Here is His purpose in all of His working. If you, if you would like to, look, look, look at this Scripture. Look at verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Look at verse number 11 in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Verse number 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. You know why you're saved? For the praise of His glory. For the praise of His grace that our salvation would redound to the glory of God's grace, to the glory, to the praise of His glory, that you and I, that our lives would be lived in a manner that would bring glory and honor and praise unto the Godhead, really. Not only just to Jesus, but to the Godhead. It was God who so loved the world, wasn't it? It was Jesus who said, it's expedient that I go away because if I go not away, then the Comforter can't come. Another one just like me. Thank God for the workings of the Godhead, but the workings of the Godhead is that you and I might praise Him for the glory. In whom? That we should be... Now, isn't it something that we... Who's we? That we should be, so verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Who's got an inheritance? The lost man got an inheritance. Saved man's got an inheritance, doesn't he? I would say this. I believe we could look at this two or three different ways and not do damage. I believe that we could say this, that Paul is talking in verse 11 to as himself, the other apostles, to the saints which are at Ephesus. But notice this, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, verse number 13, in whom ye also trusted. So I believe we could say this. We could say... That we could say that Paul is saying we as to him and the other apostles. We could say that it's him and the other believers that were Jews. Because he's going to make a distinction between we and ye. Ye also heard. So they heard the gospel. You remember this maybe in the book of Acts that Paul said this. It was necessary that we should preach to you first. Who is he talking to? The Jews. But seeing you have uh, uh, accounted yourself unworthy of salvation, we go and preach to the Gentiles. So as you think about this, so this Word of God, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, that we should be to the praise of His glory. So this is the result. I'd like to look back. What shall we praise God for? What shall we praise? What should be to the praise of His glory? I believe you could say this. Verse number 3. Verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. So there's the beginning. Verse number 4 according as He has chosen us in Him. 
So there's something to praise Him for. That we, before the foundation of the world, so nothing to do with me, He didn't choose me out of a group of people. His choice came out of His own heart. We ought to praise Him for that. We ought to praise Him that though I'm undeserving, though I have done nothing worthy of, though there's nothing in me, though there's no due, nothing work, nothing deserving, God chose us before the foundation of the world. That ought to be praised. But not only there. I tell you, all the way from verse 3 to where we are in verse number 12, it all ought to be to the praise of His glory. According as chosen us before the foundation, that we should be holy and without blame. How in the world could I be holy and without blame? In Him. Who did that work? Can you see? Can you see, friend, looking backward into this text? Can you see why you are saved? Can you see why you're saved? Can you see the workings of God that you are saved? Can you see the purpose that that we might be to the praise of His glory? What's my job? I tell you, my job is to praise God and to glorify Him that He included me, that He loved me before the foundation of the world, that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, that Jesus died before the foundation of the world, that He chose us before there was a world, before there was any foundation even laid. He chose you. Should He not get praise for that? Verse 4, having predestinated us unto the adoption. <laughs> so He brought me... <laughs> Listen, He didn't adopt me as a no-name. He adopted me and put His name on me. He made me one of His. He gave me the name of being a son of God. He gave you the name of being a child of God. He didn't just do a little something for you and forget about you. Well, preacher, He saved me from hell. Yes, He certainly did. Thank God for that. But you know something? I I know Him. And if you're saved, you know Him. He didn't just adopt us. I tell you what He was. Praise God. He was proud of us. He put His name on us. I don't know what we're going to hear tonight from this missionary, but I understand that he has an orphanage. I'd say the only name they've got is a tie to the orphanage. They got a mother that forgot them, a daddy that forgot them, maybe a family that's in poverty, maybe a family that the parents died. But I tell you this, when God brought us and adopted us into His family, He didn't just do a work for us. He did a work in us. And friend, He put His name upon us. He said, I'm going to set them as sons. I'm going to make them a part of my family. You're not just saved from hell. You're in the family of God. We ought to praise Him for that. Not only am I saved from dying and going to hell, saved from the wrath of God, saved from my sin, saved from the devil, saved from the world, saved from all of the ungodliness. I've been brought into the family and He put His name on me. He made me His Son. That ought to bring praise to His name, should it? You know, I'm only three verses in. Three verses in, I've got the name of being a child of God. All the blessings, verse 3. Chosen in verse 4. Predestinated to be adopted in verse number 5. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He made us accepted. I tell you what I am now. I'm accepted in the family. I was an outcast. I was filthy. I was wretched. I was on the road to hell. But He made me accepted in the Beloved. He brought me in. Who are you? (laughs) 
four verses in. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. How? How can He do that? In whom we have redemption. You know what was... You know what happened? I tell you that Jesus Christ paid the price for you. Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, paid the price. You were on the road to hell. You were lost and undone. You were headed down to the wrath of God. You were headed to eternal separation. You were headed into the region of the damned. You were headed where the smoke of their torment ascended up forever. That's where you were headed. But you know what He did? He brought me into a place that I was accepted in the Beloved. I have the forgiveness of sin. I have a redemption. There's been a price paid for me. Praise God. Can you imagine this? What is the price? You parents, what value? I ask you this. What value would you put on your place, your bank account, your home, your cars, your automobiles, everything that you have a title or a deed to, what value would you put on that concerning the life of your child? You mean you would give it all up? You would give it all up? God, turn this back. On the Lord Jesus Christ that I could be bought and paid for. Everything, every glorious thing that heaven, the most glorious thing that heaven had to offer was given that you and I who were sick, who were lost, who were on the road to hell, what a price, was given that you and I could be brought, be accepted, be redeemed. What a price was given. That ought to bring praise to the glory of His grace. Have we forgotten... Have we forgotten where we came from? Have we forgotten where the Lord found us? Gomer went down and was unfaithful and ungodly and wretched and a whore. That's all you could say about her. But do you know that Hosea went down there and bought her back? My God, look at my condition. Look at your condition. Look where we were. Look what we had done to God. Look at our spiritual wickedness, our whoredom. Look at a condition of our heart. And He paid the full price. You know something? He didn't sell part. He died was buried and the third day arose from the dead. He gave it all. You know, when He left, He he was already coming down. He was already emptying Himself. When He left the glory of heaven, He came down. You talk about getting bankrupt. He was already headed towards bankruptcy, wasn't he? Left all of the glory. Left all of that splendor. Left all of that. Left that and came down to the earth and His birth. His birth was born in a cattle stall. No room for Him. I believe there's a great spiritual message there. There was no room for Him no room for the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that God didn't say it's over? No, you're coming back home. You're coming back to heaven. I'm not going through with this. No, he went on. He went on. And friend lived 33 and a third years. A friend upon the face of the earth. And friend, it wasn't enough that he emptied himself. It wasn't enough that he left heaven. That wasn't enough. No, he had to suffer as a de- as a thief, as an impersonal. He had to suffer, suffer under the wrath of God, under the wrath of man, under my sin and your sin. He came down. There was nothing left. He came down. 
Does that not warrant praise to His glory? That we should be. You know, it doesn't say that we should. Let's say I take out B2. That we should praise. (laughs) Isn't that something? That we should be too. My life and your life should be the praise to His glory. Not that I'm to praise Him. Not that I'm not to praise Him. But isn't it amazing that He didn't say that I should praise Him. He said that you should be too the praise. So your life should praise the Lamb of God. You know, it'd be one thing for for Paul to have written down and said that we should praise His glory. But he doesn't write it like that. Please read it and think with me. That we should be too the praise of His glory. So my life and your life. So let's think this way for a moment. So as we look back, we should praise God for all that He's done in His choosing, in His adoption, in His making us holy and without blame, in bringing and setting us as sons in the kingdom, in in the fact that He gave everything that we could be saved, that we ought to bring praise to Him for that. Right? We ought to praise Him for that. But I believe He's saying more. I believe He's saying that my life and your life lived should be to the praise of what He's done for us. So let's think about this for just a moment. Look with me in Galatians chapter 1. The last two verses. So Paul is unknown to the face in verse number 22 of the churches that are in in Judea. But listen. Verse 23. Galatians chapter 1 verse 23. But they had heard only that He which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once He destroyed. Now think with me. But they had heard only. This thing couldn't be hid, folks. What happened to the man named Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road was known throughout the church. Though they, some of them, had never seen him. They heard what God had done to this man named Saul of Tarsus. They heard it. Listen to uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 26. The book of Acts chapter 6. I'm sorry. The book of Acts chapter 26. Verse 26. Paul's making his... Paul's making his speech. Paul's making his defense. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things... What things? About his Damascus Road experience. About him used to be a persecutor, a blasphemer, a man who killed, a man who destroyed, a man who persecuted the church... What had the church heard? What had King Agrippa heard? I tell you what they heard. They heard that God had made a change in this man's life. That's what they heard. And you know something? It could not be hid. Are you saved? I say this by the Word of God and by the authority on the Word of God. If you're saved, it can't be hid. 
You are not you're supposed to be. You are as a city set up on a hill which cannot be hid. How is it that so great salvation could be hid? I'm afraid if the truth be known, a lot of folks don't really know about this salvation that they claim to have. Because according to what Paul said, it could not be hid. Even even to an Agrippa, even to a Felix, even to the church, even to to the Sanhedrin, even to the people that were Judaizers, it was not hid what God had done in the man Paul. And you know what the Bible says? I'm going to come back to this 26, 26 in just a moment. Or back to, uh, back to Galatians. But I want you to listen to these words. Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now listen, listen to what God did to Paul on the Damascus road. What was he? Verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. What was he? I don't know what you were. I know what I was. You, you just pull out your list and if it's got ungodly on it, my name will be beside it. That's the truth. I'm not proud of that, but that's the condition I was in. What's Paul's condition? Who was before? A blasphemer. A persecutor. Injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, what are we praising God for in Ephesians chapter 1? We're praising Him for the glory and we're praising Him for the glory of His grace. We're praising Him for the apparent. We're praising Him for that that can be seen. We're praising Him for the wonderful grace of God that appeared unto us. What's Paul? What's Paul having to say to Timothy? Timothy, I was a persecutor, blasphemer, injurious, persecuting, destroying uh, the church, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. How be it? For this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ, might shew forth all longsuffering for a pattern. One more time. Read it with me. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first, Jesus might shew forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. What is Paul? Paul's the example. Paul is not the exception. Paul is the example. And what is he showing forth? He's showing forth the love, the favor, the mercy, the faith, the long-suffering of God, the grace of God with love and faith. He's showing forth that. And you know what you and I ought to do? We ought to be able to look at our lives and see where God brought us from and know this, it must have been a work of God. He should get all the glory, shouldn't He? Back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 23. For they had heard only that he which preached persecuted in the times past, now preacheth the faith. What did Paul preach? Beginning. Now at the beginning, what did Paul preach? Paul preached the faith in Jesus Christ and that was it. But you know what we've got now? 
we've got 13 books that Paul wrote as he grew. We have now a more excellent. We have no, now the doctrines of Christ. We have now, now I know what a condition I was in. Now we have the fallenness of man. Now we have man in his sin. Now we know that there's judgment to come. What did they know? They were looking for a Christ. That's what they were looking for. Galatians. But they heard only that He which persecuted us in the times past now preacheth the faith which once He destroyed. Oh my, what's going on now? I tell you, this man's got a changed life. This man, ladies and gentlemen, this man, this man has been changed so dramatically that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted, who first hoped in Christ. What was, was Paul looking for Christ? I say as a devout Jew that Paul was looking for a Christ. Paul was looking for a Savior. But when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, that was not what he was looking for. I'll tell you, it'll take God working in your heart for you to look at Jesus as He really is. What did Paul see Him as? <laughs> oh, he saw Him as an imposter. He saw Him as an enemy to the church. He saw Him as a thief. He saw Him as a blasphemer. That's what he saw Jesus as. What did you see the church as before you were saved? Bunch of hypocrites. Would that probably be what most people would say the church was? Was a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites. Boy, I tell you what. After I got saved, I saw the church in a different light. I saw the church as the bride of Christ. I saw the church as that that God loved. I saw the church as those that loved me. I saw the church as those that prayed for me. I saw the church as those that God had indwelt with His Spirit. I saw the church in a new light. But you know, I, God had to do a work in my heart before I ever saw that. But they heard only that He which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith by which once He destroyed. And they glorified God in me. You know what Paul's changed from? Paul's changed from a persecutor. Paul's changed from a blasphemer. Paul has changed from being injurious to one who cares. I tell you what, Paul, Paul has changed from a wolf in the flock. What did he look like? Oh, I tell you what he was. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Was he not? But you know what God did for him? God changed him from a wolf in sheep's clothing to be a shepherd over the flock of God. Isn't that wonderful? What are you now? If you're saved, I mean, I'm looking back here at a man, and I know he's got a daughter, he's got grandchildren, great grandchildren. You know, I believe each one of us would like to see our family saved, we'd like to see them know God. God has changed you. We are now kings and priests unto our God. We are now, we are now, ladies and gentlemen, we've changed from being a wolf in the flock and being a destroyer of the flock and running down the church and blaspheming the church and ridiculing the church. We have now become a part of the church and our desire now is to shepherd over the flock. And they glorified God in me. <laughs> what does that mean? I tell you what it means. That word glory means this, to make apparent. 
they made apparent not that they did it, but what did they do? They acknowledged the apparent, undeniable work of God in the life of Paul. What does my family and your family need to see? They need to see they need to see the apparent work of God in our lives. Here's a man. Here, can you... Again, I can't get away from this. Paul said he made me... I am the pattern. I, he made me an example. Did he only do that for Paul? No. No. He made you and I an example of the drastic change that God made in our lives. Does that warrant praise to the glory of His grace? They glorified God in me. Praise for what a change. What a, what a convert. You know something? You know a lot of people, and I do too. They say they're saved, don't they? But let me ask you this. Is there any apparent, any apparent glorying of God going on in their life? Are they away from God? Are they away from the church? Are they away from the will of God? So I ask you this, how much glory is God getting in a life that's like that? Is He getting any glory? Any glory out of that life? If I'm away from God, if I'm away from the will of God, if I'm away from the church, if I'm away from uh, the Word of God Almighty, how much glory is God getting out of my life that you should be that we should be to the praise of His glory. Not that we should praise His glory, that we should be to the praise of His glory. That you and I, the life that we're living, the active life that we're living, brings glory to God. I tell you this, friend, uh, Paul looked like a blasphemer. Paul looked like a persecutor. Paul looked like an injurious man. And I want you to know this, when God got done with him on the Damascus Road, he looked like a new man that loved God, loved the church, and loved the Word of God. He glorified God in the life that he lived after that day. That's what God's calling for out of you and I. That we should be to the praise of His glory. I'm not, I'm not even going to start on the last part of that verse. That we should be to the praise of His glory. Let me just read, let me just read just a little bit about glory. Uh, to celebrate, to honor, to worship, to make apparent, to make to appear, to form an opinion. Listen, ask yourself this question. How did the Galatians view Paul now? Glory. Show forth to appear, to form an opinion. You know what their opinion of Paul was? God changed this man. Plain speaking, God changed this man. Can the world tell the difference between us before and after we say we were saved? Is that a fair question? Let me ask you this. What is the significant difference in your life from the time that you say you were lost until today when you say you're saved? Show me. Paul is saying this. Show me. Show me the difference. If you will show me the difference, it will glorify God. You know something? We can't even figure it out ourselves. You tell me that God did a work in you and changed you and made a new person out of you and you can't even put your own finger on it? To appear, 
to appear, to celebrate, to glory, to honor, to worship, to make a parent, to form an opinion. The Galatian church formed an opinion about Paul. <laughs> this ain't the same man. He got the same name. And he looks the same way, but you know something? He is totally different than what he was before the Damascus Road experience.